Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, we've been hearing quite a lot, um, particularly during the pandemic, about inequalities in the healthcare system and about um, how women are not being represented properly. And joining me now to discuss um, male bias in healthcare is Dr. Sarah Fitzgibbon. Good morning. Good morning, Fiona. Dr. Sarah Fitzgibbon, I was reading some of the um, articles that you had mentioned and, um, you know, it's... What what kind of struck me was um, about the research that's done on a lot of um, on a lot of medical issues, and a lot of the research is done on men, which is really quite surprising. Yes, so I suppose traditionally over the last hundred years or so, since there has been research, we'll say into things like uh, drugs or medication, the majority of the time, in fact, ninety nine percent of the time, that research has been carried out. Um, on young men usually Mm. and uh, because of that every type of medication whether it's a medication that might be used for women or for men um, has all been tested on on young men so these would be the drug trials where people choose to uh, take a medication for a period of time and find out if it's effective or if it has side effects or if there's any reason why the medication um, should be given at a particular dose and what happens is that the uh, Men in the trial go through all of this and at the end of it, the drug company decides, yes, this is a good medication or no, this medication has these side effects and we shouldn't we shouldn't use it. Mm. Um, But so that would mean that uh, even for things like the contraceptive pill, that would have been tested originally in young men and not in women. That actually seems so crazy. And apart from inequalities, um, there's actually a danger to that, isn't there? Because, I mean, men and women are made up differently. Absolutely. So there's, I suppose there's two sides to it. First of all, you could find that a medication uh, doesn't work for women when you do give it to women um, once the trial is completed and, and the medication has been uh, marketed. Uh, it might mean that it works really well uh, in a male body, but it doesn't work particularly well in a female body mm. or that the dose might need to be different for uh, a man versus a woman, when, when, which when you think about it, uh, you know, a lot of the time the female body will be uh, potentially smaller than a male body. And we're used to changing medication doses, we say maybe for children, um, but we don't think about changing doses between between the sexes, between the genders. So um, that's one aspect of it. The other thing is that sometimes a medication might have been tested in men and found to be not useful or to be not effective. But it, if it had been tested in women, it might have been found to actually be useful for a specific condition in women. And an example of that is actually um, with uh, the medication Viagra, which people would be familiar with, Mm. uh, which was originally tested um, in relation to uh, heart disease and blood pressure, but was found to have another side effect, which is what it is currently used for and marketed for, um, for men. But it turns out that that medication, Viagra medication, might actually have been useful for women who were suffering from painful periods. Right. Um, but that was never fully fully explored uh, in the research because, again, it wasn't being trialed uh, in women and it has just come, sort of come out afterwards from other researchers. Um, but they find it very difficult then to get the funding 
for uh, extra research or new research into a medication like Viagra uh, and to see how effective it might be for other indications uh, for women. Sarah, you're the founder of Women in Medicine in Ireland Network and um, the, the whole idea behind women is to support, promote and encourage female doctors and medical students in Ireland. So is there a change now in the way a lot of these um, medicines are being tested or are we still, do we still have a long way to go? Well, there is still a long way to go. But yes, I, I'm the founder of the Women in Medicine in Ireland Network. And we do know that in recent years, there are many, many more women working in medicine and researching in medicine. And that's likely to make a, a, an impact on the type of research that's done and the type of forward thinking that might be um, brought in around issues to do with to do with women. Mm. And the uh, more recently, there has, in fact, been a, a, a trial that has been carried out amongst pregnant women, which would be a, a group of women which uh, would very uh, would be very rare for them to be involved in any kind of clinical trial because people were so nervous about giving medication, obviously, understandably, yeah. uh, for women who are pregnant. But uh, Professor Fanula Neonla um, is a hematologist, a woman who works um, in Dublin in relation to blood clots, and she is part of an international trial which is specifically doing uh, a trial for women who are pregnant and trying to prevent things like blood clots in the legs or the lungs, which can be extremely serious. So this would be an example, I suppose, of a woman who's working within medicine who has uh, made great efforts, uh, along with uh, Dr. Jennifer Donnelly as well, Mm. in trying to make sure that women who are vulnerable, who would have been excluded from trials in the past, which would have meant then that there was uncertainty about the best treatment for for blood clots in pregnant women, that they are making um, these great efforts in trying to ensure that those women uh, are included in the trials and that the best type of treatment then is is researched carefully and then is 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 possible to administer. And Sarah, I know that the found uh, that the members of women uh, one of the areas that they discuss is inequalities experienced by female doctors in certain specialities. Like, what kind of areas are female doctors experiencing these kind of inequalities? And it must be really frustrating for them. Yes, so I suppose female doctors are no different to uh, women in working in any other job or in any other profession where we would experience uh, gender-based um, discrimination from the point of view of the gender pay gap, for example. So yeah. on average, over a woman's lifetime, a female doctor's lifetime, they will earn less than a male doctor. They will also have less of a pension fund when they come to retire. And again, this is not just for, for doctors, but it does occur in do- with doctors that uh, there is this uh, gender pension gap. So on average, women will have less of a pension pot uh, than their male counterparts. Women, uh, female doctors will experience more in um, um, bullying, more gender based discrimination, both from colleagues and from patients within the hospital. So research done on that a few years ago highlighted that while there can be negative experiences for both male and female doctors in in a hospital setting that it is more common for female doctors to experience things like um, bullying or abuse. So we still have quite a long way to go here in Ireland. Is it the same everywhere, especially across Europe? Is it the same or are we just kind of lagging behind here in Ireland? No, I mean, it is the same again across the, across the world. And obviously there are uh, much more significant gender based um, issues in, in some countries than in others. Mm. And um, certainly in the UK and the US, female doctors would um, express very, very similar um, experiences. Some of the countries in Europe would be overall 
um, better in terms of their gender equality issues around uh, childcare, issues around uh, maternity benefit, maternity leave. Um, but certainly there is no country where, where uh, there is um, the exact type of gender equity that would mean that everybody is uh, receiving the same chances in life. I was reading in an article in The Guardian about um, sorting the facts from the fiction and uh, there was um, there's a myth that um, the, the, the typical male brain um, and there's a typical female brain and that there's a difference between the male brain and the female brain. But uh, that has been proven to be untrue. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, it really just seems to be a bit crazy that we're still using, uh, you know, men and I think did I read somewhere that it's like a certain age group of men and it white men as well that all of these tests are being carried out on absolutely yeah so again so you're looking also at, at lots of uh, racial discrimination again if we're looking back at the at the pharmaceutical or drug research mm. so this is young young white men of a certain build with a certain background and these are the are, are the people that uh, all of the research certainly traditionally now things have changed a little bit in the last number of years but right. um it, you know lots of the medications that we have now were researched 20 30 40 years ago so again excluding issues like race which we which we know have a significant impact on certain types of, again, medication doses, medication side effects, and that um, those, what we call is, is, is having, you know, blind data. So looking at um, uh, data or numbers or figures and thinking that this means that it covers everybody, that it includes everybody, that it's true for everybody. Mm. Whereas, in fact, if we don't um, disaggregate or, or, or divide up the data according to a person's uh, gender or their race or potentially lots of other things about specific individuals, then we're not treating everybody um, equally. We're not giving everybody the same chance to be sure that the medication is the right one for them. Dr. Serfis Gibbon, a question has come in here from one of our listeners, Noel, and he asks, is there a difficulty getting women to participate in trials? He knows several men who have, but no women. So again, usually what happens is that the trial company is not is not asking women to to participate or in fact may indeed be excluding them. So very often it comes down to uh, what they would say is if a woman is of childbearing years. Um, so if there's a potential that the woman uh, could become pregnant, most trial uh, or research companies uh, do not want to include women in their trial um, because of potential difficulties uh, around uh, women who might become pregnant during the trial. They, point that the researchers will say like Professor Neonla would make is that excluding pregnant women from all trials means that then there is no uh, proper scientific based research for pregnant women for the conditions that pregnant women suffer from. We'll say, for example, hyperemesis, where you know people might be vomiting mm. day and night, become very, very unwell. And yet any of the medications that would be used for, for a condition like that um, are not adequately researched because the pharmaceutical companies are very reluctant to put themselves into that space where it's much easier for them to get a load of young white uh, men mm. to come in, take a medication, um, and and there are fewer risks. There's never no risks, yeah. um, but they would see it as being less risky to have young men. And just getting back to the hyperemesis medication, of course, there's difficulties with that as, as well with, with funding. So an mm. awful lot of women who are suffering from uh, significant vomiting in pregnancy and they would have difficulty then accessing the medication um, because of, of, of funding related to that. 
um, which again may, may reflect uh, a bias against medication that would be used specifically in pregnancy. I don't. This is another uh, question that has come in from a listener and I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this or not but uh, maybe it's something that you've heard of that this person says that the HPAT and GAMSAT exams for medicine are geared towards men to try and keep women out. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, so the HPAT is an extra examination that um, people who are doing their leaving search would have to sit in order to enter mm-hmm. um, medicine. So in the past, you just did your, your leaving search and you got the points and, and if you were lucky and you got in. Um, but uh, a number of years ago, they added this extra HPAT exam. Uh, it's an examination that, first of all, costs um, a lot uh, to to uh, enter. You have to pay to do the exam. Uh, and in addition to that, you also have to pay for a number of grind courses um, because the exam is not something, it's not based on the Leaving Cert syllabus. It's why it's, it's almost like an aptitude test. So, uh, and the um, it, I certainly have heard that, that okay. the reason that it was, one of the reasons it was brought in be, was because so many um, uh, women and girls doing their leaving search are achieving such high marks, which is still, the, which is the case now, and that on average women will do better in their leaving search than than the boys, um, and that this then was causing uh, an increase in the percentage of women in medical schools, so that we were coming up to maybe seventy percent of a medical class would have been would be women, mm. and. It was felt that because uh, girls were doing better in the Leaving Cert, maybe there was a different way of examining that would allow the boys to have um, an opportunity or a chance to to, to show their um, intellect in a different way. And this is the HPAT then came in. But as I say, there is a cost, a significant cost involved. So not only is it unequal in the sense that there is there may be this gender aspect to it it Mm. is very unequal from the sense that it makes it uh, almost impossible for somebody who does not have a significant amount of generally parental funding um, to uh, assist them to both pay for the exam and also to pay for the the grinds that tend to be involved and those grind classes can be a thousand two thousand you know it's not it's not a small amount of money Thank you very much, Dr. Sarah Fitzgibbon from Women. Thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Courts 96 FM. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 